0: Welcome to everyone this evening, and uh, from what I can tell, I think I see several guests here this evening, which is so uh, e- exciting and encouraging. I think it's an awesome thing when when people want to be in the presence of God and, and may not know us or only know a couple of us, and so we are so thrilled that you are here this evening. And... Um, Hope that the presence of the Lord touches your life. If you're watching online, again, to those of you that would be here, but because of space limitations, you're not, we don't forget about you. And to any others that happen to be watching this evening, we welcome you as a part of this service tonight and pray that you are blessed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. It's good to have Sister Carrie Burns in service this evening. Amen. Back in Maryland working. So nice to see her. Brother Jalen, I'm not going to start with a scripture. So if you want to take a break from your melodious playing, that's, that works for me. I do want to, I, let me, I want to preface a couple things. Um, those of you that have either been here or have watched, Live or the archives of the last two Thursday nights, you will know that we have spent some time in the book of Acts. And I have to tell you, i it's been a while since I have read through the book of Acts from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 28. And so as a part of Thursday evenings and studying and preparing, I went through the entire chapter of the book of Acts once again and i got to tell you, I have been very, not only by the stuff that I taught, but very deeply stirred by the things that I, I have read afresh and anew from the book of Acts. And so I, I, I want to, I don't know if this will be more than tonight or not, but I, I want to share, I just feel like the Lord's given me something connected to that. And, and I want to say, I, I, my brother and I were almost nine years apart. So uh, I I don't know really what this is like. I would have, uh, having four kids that um, are 18 months, two years, two and a half years apart, uh, there are times when one of them's on the hot seat. And I suppose, again, not having quite had this experience, but I suppose if you've got siblings and you're close in age, when they're on the hot seat and you know it has nothing to do with you, there's a little bit of not only relief, probably a little bit of pleasure as well. So I, I say that to say, I, I want to I make this, I, wanna, I just feel to say this, particularly to our guests this evening. I, 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 this, this message is, is directed to this congregation And I would hope and pray that what's preached and said would would be a benefit and a blessing and a challenge to you. But I just just want you to know you're not on the hot seat. I I mean that very sincerely. Of course, I don't know that you two guys down there counting what I'm saying. Uh, That's some other folks. (laughs) Good to have our former friends with us. Yeah. Amen. Uh, well, not former fr- They're still friends. Sorry. That, that didn't come out right. That didn't come out right. Anyway, I'll just go ahead and get myself out. Of- I won't. I'm, amen. So, uh, I, 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 here we go. Here we go. I want to, I want to do a little bit of, of, of uh, taking a look at the original. Can, can you imagine the Wright brothers? I think it was in, in one day, if I remember correctly, in one day, there was, uh, there were like three different flights that they took. And the last one of those flights was at a top speed of about 34 miles an hour. And it went 852 feet and I think lasted for like less than a minute. What do you think? Wilbur and Orville would think today if they walked up next to a stealth bomber that can go... There are there are some planes, there are some jets. I don't think I really knew this until today. There are some jets that can go over 4,000 miles an hour. Mach 4, I think it is. Maybe it's Mach 6. Can you imagine 34 miles an hour compared to thousands of miles an hour? There are jets that can fly three plus thousand miles on one tank. One time going to Singapore with my dad, and actually we were going to Malaysia. Traveling with my dad to minister, and we took a non stop flight from JFK to Singapore. 20 plus hours on an airplane. Not having to make one single stop to refuel. Can you imagine how impressed Wilbur and Orville would be? I think it's called, I forget the Airbus, I forget what it's called. Two stories. Not a 737 where there's two stories up near the front. The, the Airbus is two stories, entire plane. I, I think they would be pretty impressed by where the airplane has come. I wonder what some of the original computer creators would think if they sat down today and saw what you can do on your iPad, that they needed an entire room to build a machine. To do stuff that your iPad, your iPhone can't even do. And all the others on the other side. Or, or how about this? I don't normally use Wikipedia. Just so you know. But something a little less significant as this. I'm going to use Wikipedia. On June 4th. 1896, in a tiny workshop behind his home on 58 Bagley Avenue, Detroit, where the Michigan building now stands, Henry Ford put the finishing touches on his pure ethanol powered motor. After more than two years of experimentation, Ford, at the age of 32, had completed his first experimental automobile. He dubbed his creation the Quadricycle, so named because it ran on four bicycle tires and because of the means through which the engine drove the back wheels. The success of the little vehicle led to the founding of the Henry Ford Company and then later the Ford Motor Company in 1903. The two-cylinder engine could produce four horsepower. Remember that, four horsepower. The quadricycle was driven by a chain. The transmission had two gears and two gears only. The first gear for, was for about 10 miles an hour and the second was for 20 miles an hour and it did not have a reverse. There was no steering wheel. It was steered by a, it was tiller steered and it had wired wheels and a three gallon fuel tank under the seat. Ford test drove it on June 4th, 1896, and after various test drives, he achieved a top speed of 20 miles an hour, blazing. I wonder what Mr. Henry Ford would think if he saw the 2020 Mustang Shelby GT500 pop quiz. How many horsepower did Mr. Ford's quadricycle have? Four. The 2020 Mustang Shelby GT500 has 760 horsepower. It can go from zero to 60 miles an hour in 1,001, 1,002, 1003.6 seconds with a top speed of 180 miles an hour. It's got dual zone climate control. It's got a rear view camera. It's got a 12 inch LCD digital instrument cluster, not to mention all the other bells and whistles. What do you think? If Mr. Ford could come back to life and see that Mustang compared to that quadricycle, what do you, what do you think he would think? You think he would be impressed? Do you? Anybody, y'all here? Put your mask on. Say amen. Come on. Do do you think he would be impressed? Do you think after having reached a top speed of 20 miles an hour on his quadricycle, he'd be impressed by that that Mustang getting to 180 miles an hour? Absolutely, I think he would. I think he'd be quite impressed. He'd probably even take a little credit, even though he really didn't have anything to do with it. But the fact that he was a part of what started, what would eventually become that. Anybody ever have one of those original, not original original, because it wasn't even the original, but one of those those cell phones, those black ones that had the, the, the twirly cord in your car? Anybody ever have one of those? My dad got one of those when they were starting to get popular and there was a there was a lock it was in it, it, it there was a lock code on it that nobody else knew. My mother probably did, I didn't, my brother didn't, because it was so expensive to use it, you didn't really use it, but you had it. Hopefully I've matured a little bit since then but I'll just let you know some of the vanity I had at least as a teenager. They sold plastic ones at the drugstore. And I literally got one and mounted it in my car. So I would be impressive that everybody think I had one. I mean I remember when I got one of those gray Motorola flip phones. Man, if you had one of those, you were. That compared to this? I know. I don't know if any of them are here tonight, but we got a few guys that are hanging on to their flip phones. They're actually probably pretty smart, I will say. But this compared to that? I got a question, Antioch Central. If Peter, James, and John showed up and hung out with us for a week, I I said, if Peter, James, and John showed up, And hung out with us for a week. I didn't say just came to church. I mean hung out with us for a week. What if Peter, James, and John came to stay at your house for a week? What if they were your guests for a couple of weeks and they looked at the 2020 model compared to the zero zero model? Do you think Peter, James, and John would feel the same way as Henry Ford would about that GT Mustang? Do you think Peter, James, and John would be as impressed with us as Wilbur and Orville would be with what has become of airplanes? I'm really sad to say, but I don't think so. Because when I look at the original model, and I look what took place at the original model, I'm just going to tell you, I don't know that we really match up. Right. Everything else in life, you expected to get better. I was I was thinking earlier, as I was going through some things in my mind, Any anybody here remember the days when everybody had one of these? And there weren't these? I remember there was some I don't know what it was there was some preachers they would always kind of get theirs in a they'd always have this little loop they'd hold and you could only go so far and you had to worry about stepping and getting tripped and all that and and now we got these we've got lapel mics and we got monitors and now the musicians got in-ear monitors, and the praise singers could if y'all want to give a little offering and help them get the material or the equipment. You expect, you expect technology to improve. You expect automobiles to improve. You expect the way they build houses to improve. You you expect all of those things to get better should the church be any different. But I'm just going to tell you tonight, I'm not sure how well we match up. And I'm also going to tell you, don't give me this business that we got it more difficult than they do. If that's what you think, you've never really read the book of Acts. If you think having to try to figure out how to stay connected to God through COVID-19, and quarantine is tough we don't have a clue I'm right. going say it again I'm not preaching to everybody else tonight I'm preaching here Amen. you know one of the things I find is the difference between us and the book of Acts is in the book of Acts they gave their time to evangelizing the world in 2020 we give most of our time to evangelizing the church They they spent their time reaching the lost and multitudes. We spend our time trying to get people just to decide if they're going to follow Jesus. And we get people that have been following Jesus for several years and even several decades that we got to keep pampering and petting them along and encouraging them along. And we're not reaching the world because we're trying so hard just to keep each other in the church. Don't know if you're going to come to church or not. Don't know if you're going to live for God or not. Don't know if you're going to commit to ministry or not. Don't know if you got time to teach Bible studies or not. Are you kidding? You ought to go back and reread what they did and how they lived. I I hope somehow what you can get from me tonight is not intended to be a rebuke of you or me or us, but it's intended to be a challenge. It's intended, I hope, to stir something up inside of us that says, you know what? I don't want to be driving around in a quadricycle. I don't want to be driving around in some airplane that can only go a couple of hundred feet. When I look back and see what the first model did, when I look back and see what the first model accomplished, if they did it back then, I know God has this pattern of not getting less and less, but of getting more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Come on, Acts 2.42, they continue. To, this, this is Acts these first couple of verses this is the birthday of the church still. It's it's in this book, it's in this chapter where the Holy Ghost is poured out, the day of Pentecost. Three thousand people have just received the Holy Ghost. Following all that up, it says they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread. And in prayers and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need and they continuing daily. Somebody say daily. Yeah. Daily. Yeah, A- again, I, 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 I'm, not, I, I'm not apologizing for what I'm preaching to those of you that I'm preaching to. But I, I, I beg of any of you that are guests tonight, especially if it's your first time, please come back next Sunday. I really... Or go listen to last Sunday night's message. That one was encouraging and uplifting. Don't judge me by this impression. But if you're going to judge me, I hope you would at least try to recognize my motive. I'm not here to be harsh and unkind. They continued daily... Some of y'all can't even be consistent weekly. Some of you can't even make it to one service a week regularly. They went to the temple daily. Daily. But not only did they go to the temple daily, they also went house to house daily. And they ate their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Daily. Daily. You see, you don't really find any place that I know of in the book of Acts where the apostles focused on challenging the church to take care of the church. You don't find anywhere in the book of Acts where they had to call Oikos meetings and encourage leadership, take care of the people or encourage people to take care of each other. Somehow when they got converted, they got converted. And a natural part of their conversion was, we're not just going to fellowship with Him, we're going to fellowship with each other. And we're not just going to do that every couple of weeks or every couple of months, but I need you and you need me and we're in this together. And so they did it daily from house to house. Well, well, well what about the lost? Is there, I, I don't have them in my iPad. Can you put verse 47 up there, please? But, but, but what about the lost? If they were spending all their time at the temple and house to house, what about souls? I don't know. According to this, they spent time in the temple, house to house, daily, and God added to the church daily. But don't tell me the problem is we spend too much time together. In fact, I'm going to tell you the problem is we don't spend enough time together. And so you find I read them uh, Thursday night. There's two other places, I believe it is, in the book of Acts where it references. Again, they had all things common. They were taking care of each other. They were looking out for each other. Nobody was having to encourage them to do that. No, Nobody was having to organize them to do that. That became the natural byproduct of becoming a part of the church, the body of Christ. And so their focus was not on keeping all of that going. Their focus was we have been sent into Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so we're not going to stop meeting together and taking care of each other, but we're also going to realize our focus is not just trying to help each other endure to the end so that we can be saved. You ought to be amen in me. I'm preaching your kind of message. I'm getting a conversation with him on the phone. He won't let you go along these lines. That was, that was their focus. I preached it this morning. I'm not going to re-preach it tonight. But Christianity is not about giving you a better life here and now. All right. Christianity is all about the fact you're going to spend an eternal life somewhere. This life is but a vapor. It's going to pass. It's here today and gone tomorrow. But eternal life is coming, and that's what matters. And so we're not living for this life. This is just everything here, all the blessings here is just a bonus. Ultimately, it's about where I'm going. And about the fact that there are those around me that don't know the answer, don't know the way. And we are so busy. We are so busy. Trying to convince the saved to stay saved. Trying to coddle and pet people. To, I'm talking about people that have already been in church. To stay in church. And there's lost people. Hurting, broken, got no answer, no hope out there. That would love to know what we know but we can't get to them because we're too worried about making sure each other is still going to hold on. All right. Come on. Come on. Good and, and I'm going to say it again. The last three, four, what has it been since March now? I can't even count. Four months have been the most unusual months of my pastoral ministry and, and, and my life, really. But, but, but to think And and, and my wife said it the first Sunday morning, and I echoed it, and I feel that way. Again, that's why I come back next week. (laughs) That first Sunday, watching everyone that gathered together, that was able to be here, such an encouraging thing to see people and realize you made it through. Not that it's fully up, but you hung on. You didn't didn't lose your way. And, And I celebrate that. I celebrate that. But if we think we've had some amazing accomplishment because we've somehow survived four months of having to stay home, have you read the book of Acts? What they survived wasn't how we're going to figure out how to be locked at home and be okay and stay connected with Jesus. They had to figure out how am I going to get healed from my back being beaten so that I can get back out there and tell about Jesus again. When am I going to get out of this prison, literal prison cell, so I can go proclaim the salvation message again? What? Watch this, watch this. I'm not I'm really I'm really not trying to be mean tonight. I'm just telling you I I, I've been stirred once again by reading this book. Forget all the stuff that's going on right now. Forget what's going on in Christianity. That that's not what we should be measuring by. What we should measure by is the first one flew 34 miles an hour. How fast are we flying? The first one went 800 and something feet. How far are we going? Listen, listen to what happens. And this is really the beginning. They're, they're really, even the, the real persecution had not even really started. But this is an indicator of the attitude and the Spirit that was going to get them through the real persecution. Acts 4.19 But Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto... God, judge, just a little bit of context. The beginning of this chapter is when Peter and John are on the way to the temple and they come across the lame man who's laying there at the temple and he's begging for alms and they respond to him and say, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And a man who had been crippled, I think he was crippled since birth, if I remember correctly, gets up and begins leaping and dancing and shouting. And And watch this. If you go reread the book of Acts, and if you've never read it, I seriously encourage you to go read it. I encourage you this week to read through it. There's only twenty eight chapters. When they when this miracle happened, it was the religious It was the religious that rose up against them. Wasn't the sinners. Wasn't the world. It was the religious. And because of this miracle and what was going on, they, they're going, we got, we got to shut this down. We can't let this go any farther. Peter and John answered and said unto them, whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot speak, but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further Threatened them. They let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. They they threatened them. If you guys are gonna keep this up, you keep doing what you just did, there's gonna be trouble. You better shut it down now. You better rein it in now. I want you to watch what their response was. Listen to their response. Listen to their prayer. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. I I want you to hear what they didn't pray. They didn't pray, now, Lord, behold their threatenings and please spare us. Please save us from the from the pain and the hardship. Please deliver us from having to deal with that, God. That is not the prayer they prayed. The prayer they prayed was, Lord, you hear what they're saying? But grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth thy hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the Holy Child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and they spake with word, with, they spake the word of God with boldness. I wonder how many of our prayers the last couple of months have been God change the circumstances. God change the circumstances so we can we can get back to what's normal and what's comfortable and I'm going to say it again I'm I'm the first in the room that wants to get more and more back to normal of doing the things we like to do. So I'm I'm not I'm not casting stones at with that But how many of us has our focus been more for our convenience sake of wanting to get back to normal? But that wasn't their prayer. Their prayer basically was saying, God, what I'm about to ask you for has nothing to do with my comfort. It has nothing to do with benefiting me and giving me a life of ease. God, what I want you to do, I'm not asking you to do anything to them. Notice that. They didn't ask God to do anything to those that were threatening them. They just simply said, God, we need you to give us boldness so that we can speak your word with confidence, so that we can declare your word without fear and doubt. And when they did that, they reached forth for prayer and there was healing, not for their own benefit, but as a witness and as a testimony. Bible exposition commentary says this, they did not pray to have their circumstances changed or their enemies put out of office. Rather, they asked God to empower them to make the best use of their circumstances and to accomplish what He had already determined. This was not fatalism, but faith in the Lord of history who has a perfect plan and is always victorious. They asked for divine enablement, not escape. Anybody hear that statement? That was a powerful statement. I'm reading so I can say that and it's not boasting. I'll say that again. If you're taking notes, if you got to put it down. They asked for in divine enablement, not escape. They didn't ask God to get them out of their circumstances. They didn't ask God to change their circumstances. They just asked God to empower them in their circumstances. They, imp- they asked God to empower them that He would work through them in what they were going through. We get this mindset that when God fixes everything and God takes all of the pain out of our bodies and everything is well, that's when we're going to be ready for God. No, 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 no. Give us power. And God gave them the power to, That they needed. Philip Brooks says, do not pray for easy lives. Pray to be stronger men and women. Do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. Did you hear that? Do do not pray for tasks equal to your powers. Pray for powers equal to your tasks. That is the way the early Christians prayed, and that is the way God's people should pray today. That's the way we ought to pray today. (laughs) Paul says, where sin abounds... Where sin abounds, grace doth much more abound. If God had what it took to empower them in the book of Acts, if God had what it took to empower them over being beaten and being thrown into prison and being threatened with their lives if the spirit of god could empower them in that please tell me what you and i are facing today that the spirit of god is not able to empower us to be able to go through and to be a testimony and a witness that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world Listen, I'm going to read a little bit. of. You can follow along on the screen of this, so hopefully it will help you to stay with me. But I'm going to read most of the book of Acts. Not most of the book of Acts. Maybe I should. I'm going to read most of the 20th chapter of Acts, starting in verse number 1. And after the uproar was ceased, Paul called unto him the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia. You, you kind of find this pattern throughout Acts. Miracles, Holy Ghost, victory... Trouble, test, persecution. Miracles, Holy Ghost, victory, deliverance, test, troubles, persecution. From 1 to 28, a cycle. Most of us can't, boy, I know one day I'm getting through all this trouble and everything's going to be, you need to go read the book. Maybe you don't want to go read the book of Acts. So that, that's, that's part of the context of verse one. After the uproar was ceased. Paul called him to the disciples and embraced them and departed for to go into Macedonia when he had gone over those parts and had given them much exhortation. He came into Greece and there abode three months. And when the Jews laid wait for him as he was about to sail into Syria, he purposed to return through Macedonia and there accompanied him into Asia, Sopater of Berea and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus and Gaius of Derby and Timotheus of Asia. Yeah, the teas and these going before tarried for us at Troas. And we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them ready to depart on the morrow and continue his speech until midnight. If you think I'm long-winded, just listen to this. And there were many, many lights in the um, upper chamber where they were gathered together. Also be thankful that you're on a chair that's only a couple inches off the ground. And there sat in a window a certain young man named Eudicus being fallen into a deep sleep. You know what? I just got a revelation. I need to be encouraged. Even Paul couldn't keep people awake when he preached. fell into a deep sleep, and as Paul was long preaching, we say that's long-winded, as Paul was long preaching, he sunk down with sleep. That means he was slouching. And fell down from the third loft and was taken up dead. That's a unique phrase, isn't it? Taken up dead. Can you imagine if that happened today? What would do? Watch what they did. Paul went down. And fell on him. And embracing him. He wasn't mad because he fell asleep. He didn't get mad at him thinking, you know what? I'm dropping some revelation and all you can do is fall asleep on me and die. Paul goes to him. Trouble not yourselves. For his life is in him when he therefore was come up again and had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till break of day, so he departed and never sat in the window for church again. And they brought the young man alive and were not a little comforted. And we went before to ship and sailed unto Asus there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed minding himself to go afoot. This is just really a total side note. But anybody keep hearing that word we here? Two Thursday nights, I mentioned that. All throughout the book of Acts. We, 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 we. Talking about Paul, talking about the others, what they did. Somebody keeps saying we. They were there for everything. They were in the middle of it. And we know who that person was. It was Luke. But Luke was not in competition with everybody else. Luke was not in trying to get his name known so everybody in 2020 would be talking about Luke the way we talk about Paul. Luke understood that perhaps his primary role was to be a support and a companion to Luke, or excuse me, to Paul. And if that meant Paul was shipwrecked and Luke got shipwrecked, he was there. That meant if Paul went through adversity and Luke had to go through adversity, that was okay. He was going to be Paul's companion. But we don't ever really preach about Luke being shipwrecked all about Paul read it Luke says we man what would happen if that got a hold of all of us as long as I'm a part of the we as long as I can be in the we I don't care who gets credit I don't care whose names known I don't care whose name they call I don't care who's recognizable if I can just be in the we and be there and be a part of it and see it happen I'm okay with that And we went before the ship and sailed to Asus, there intending to take in Paul, for so had he appointed, minding himself to go afoot. And when he met with us at Asus, we took him in and came to Mytilene, and we sailed thence and came next over against Chios. And the next day we arrived at Samos and tarried it. Wherever that was. And the next day we came to Miletus, for Paul had determined to sail by Ephesus because he would not spend the time in Asia, for he hasted if it were possible for him to be at Jerusalem the day of Pentecost. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church... And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the living and weight of the Jews. And by the way, this places that are mentioned of Paul, Paul was not on a Mediterranean cruise. He was not on a voyage seeing all the sights. It was all about ministry. It was all in the context. I got to go here because I got to tell them about Jesus, and I got to go there because I need to tell them about the gospel, and and I can't stay here too long because I now got to go there. You'd be surprised some of the places God would take you if you'd stop worried about trying to get where you want to go. There's some some note-taking material here tonight. I feel it. You would be surprised where God would take you if you'd be more concerned about going where God wants you to go than trying to see the sights you want to see. And I mean that naturally speaking. I'm not talking in just spiritual parables there. You'd be surprised some of the doors that God would open. Yeah, yeah. I, I, had a, I had a unique experience Tuesday evening. My cousin who visited here a couple of Sunday mornings ago, we hadn't really been in contact for years, and we've now reconnected, and we've been communicating, and God's doing some great things in his life. And, and, and Tuesday evening, he texts me, can, can you take a call? And I, and I get on this call, And uh, I can't even remember the name. I don't remember the name. I got it. Bernie Bernie Carbo. I think that was his name. Hold on. Oh, they're making me nervous. I can't find it. Yeah. Bernie Carbo. My cousin says, can you get on a call? Sure. I get on a call. I never had... I know some of you could care less about sports, but I love sports. All my life, I love sports. I've never had this happen before. I was on a call with a former Major League Baseball player. Was a World Series hero with the Red Sox. I was... I don't know you. I know some of you care less about that. I was, I'm sorry. That's pretty cool to me. I wasn't trying to figure out how can I. I, I just, just where are you going, God? Where do you want to go? Where do you want to take me? What's next? I never thought in a million years I'd be sitting on a phone call with a. there. You, you don't. You have no idea. Where God wants to take some of you. And again, I don't mean that just spiritually. I do mean it spiritually. But you have no idea where God wants to take you. Some physical places that you would reap the benefits of. But the goal wouldn't be to get there for your own pleasure. The goal would be, God, where are we going? What are you doing? Where do you want to send me? Who are you trying to reach now, God? Who are you trying to touch now, God? That's why Paul was in all of those places Verse 20, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold... I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. After all this, I've got got someplace else i got to go. And I don't really know what's going to happen there. All I know is I am compelled to go there. But watch what he says in the next verse. Except I do know this. The Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. He, he says in verse 22, I, I don't know everything that's going to be there. I don't know everything I'm going to face. But then he follows that up and says, I do know one thing. Here's the one thing I do know. It's not going to be easy when I get there. I'm going to face all kinds of adversity. but watch what he says. None of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I'm not worried about what's going to await me. I'm not worried about what I'm going to face there. I'm not worried about the afflictions that I'm going to have to go through because I know God's going to do some greater things than the afflictions. I know God's going to provide some greater victories and things I'm going to experience than what I'm going to have to go through. So I'm not swayed. I'm not going to be kept from going. Anybody know where Paul wrote a significant portion of the epistles from? I know people... My, 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 my father-in-law has written a number of books. And I, I know through the years, he'd, he'd go away at times for several weeks, months, to write. You know where he'd go? He went to Ocean City in a condo. I don't blame him. I think I could write too. Not really. Not really. And please, I'm not, this is no criticism of, my point is, most writers, if you're, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, was listening uh, I, 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 after, when was, how long ago did Ravi Zacharias pass away? Weeks, months, <laughs> a couple of months. I got to I just out of curiosity, got to listening to some of his his podcasts, and in one of those, he he mentioned there was a place I think in Thailand. I think he said there was a hotel that he would go to from time to time to write. Paul needs to write an epistle. He doesn't get the ocean with a waterfront view. He doesn't get some nice hotel in Thailand with. Breakfast and lunch and dinner. Paul goes to jail. Just think for a moment. What would we have done if Paul had been in those circumstances and simply been focused on himself? What would we have to read? What do we have to read that we would not have to read if all he could think about was, God, deliver me. God, if you'll get me out of jail, I'll do something for you. If you'll turn my circumstances around, God, I, 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 I'll write some letters. No, Paul understood. I, in the middle of hardship is one of the best times for God to reveal some revelation. Anybody? This is a trick question. This is a trick question. Bishop would have just asked it, but I'm going to be nice and tell you. Anybody want God to reveal some things to you? Anybody want God to some drop some revelation in your life? If you haven't already asked that question before you do ask him for that, just make sure you know the place. Place he's going to drop it the most is going to be in some of the most difficult times of your life. It's going to be in some of the lowest valleys you've ever walked through. It's going to be in some of the darkest caves that you've ever been. But I will tell you, you're going to get some revelation that the value of that revelation, there is no price that can be put upon it. Again, we spend so much time trying to praying for each other, God, fix this, change that, take care of that. And all they were saying was, God, we, we just need you to empower us to go. There's pain, there's suffering, but we just need you to give us the grace and the strength to go. Huh. What, if, what, if, what if tonight God called somebody here? What if God called you said, I'm going to send you to such and such a city. I want you to go there and reach souls. But what if the rest of that story was you're going to go through pain and difficulty and suffering and challenges and hardship it'd be a whole lot easier to go if God said I'm sending you and here's what when you get there there's going to be 3000 people waiting for you the day you arrive and and I mean they're just going to welcome you in and then you're going to start a church with 3000 people anybody would go do that We 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 I think it was June <laughs> Missionaries that were traveling in the United Pentecostal Church raising funds shut down three months. Shut down. Many of them stuck in places that they had no real connections with the people there. And we had a missionary come through. Was it June? Early June? Young couple. He's early 30s, I think. Like I said, young couple. Two children. One... Little boy, four, daughter, eight or nine. They were in Indianapolis when COVID hit. They're from the West Coast. Spent three months sitting, waiting. We were one of their first stops, starting back up. Back may have been the first. You know it was amazing? For the bar, there was not one single element of resentment that you heard from them. Not one bit. In fact, all there was was, you know what, God's in control. We don't understand it, but God's in control, but we got some place to go. They've already, I, I, it's a country that is a, is a predominantly Muslim country. They've already been there for a year or two, I think it was. You know how they got there? This is, See, we all want to be apostolic, but we want to be a certain kind of apostolic. You know how they got there? They got there by selling everything they had. Nobody was supporting them. Nobody was paying their budget for them. They sold everything they had because they had a call and a burden. hey i that sounds a little bit like the first model to me. I think if Peter and Paul and James showed up for lunch at their house and heard their story, I got a feeling they'd walk away going, You know what boy we're 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 still moving, still going. I don't know about you. I'm not called at this point to go to some other country and i I'm one of those ones that are fortunate to be called some place that I absolutely love. Let me tell you something, if you'd rather live any place else in the world besides Annapolis, we need to pray for you. Something is messed up in your mind. I know not everybody feels that way, but would you want a pastor that hated where he lived? So humor me. I'm fortunate to be called where I love to be. But i got to tell you, just because I may be where I love to be, where I've been born and raised, doesn't mean I am going to be content and satisfied to be a part of something that goes slower than what the first did. That has less power than what happened in the beginning. Because the bottom line, we've all got challenges. You may not have to sell everything to go to a foreign country. You've got your fair share of challenges. But again, what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on God making earth, heaven? Or are we focused on the fact this world is not my home? I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore oh Lord you know I have no friend like you if heaven is not my home then this is not a new song actually Lord what will I do the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel at home in this world anymore read Hebrews chapter 11 they faced adversity they faced challenges they faced obstacles but they got through them why because they knew we are Strangers and pilgrims. We are simply passing through. In Acts 26, Paul is in the process of being taken prisoner. It is the beginning of what's going, what I've read preached this morning. It's the beginning of what's about to send him to Rome. It's at the End of chapter. Excuse me. It's it's well. It is towards the middle and the end of chapter twenty six when Paul is bought is brought before King Agrippa. He comes before King Agrippa, and King Agrippa basically says, "Let me hear your story." Brother Middleton, rather than Paul standing there trying to somehow defend himself and trying to somehow convince King Agrippa, don't make me be a prisoner, don't hold me captive, let me go. Do you know what Paul begins to do? He takes advantage of the opportunity to tell Agrippa about the gospel. In essence, to me, Paul was saying, forget about the fact that I'm trying to appeal to you for my deliverance. I've got a captive. I'm not the captive. You're the captive. I've got a captive audience. So let me tell you. And Paul goes through and tells his testimony and tells about the resurrection, the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I wonder how many of us in that same moment all we would be focused on is, well, I gotta get out of this somehow. I, I, I gotta, you, you gotta let me go. You gotta set me free. You gotta, you gotta give me a, you know, you gotta, you gotta proclaim me innocent, Agrippa. That was the last thing on his mind. All he could think about was, I got somebody that I need to tell this testimony to. I, I got somebody. And you know what Agrippa says at the end of it? Almost. You almost persuaded me. Almost. You almost converted me. And Paul then gets sent as a prisoner to Rome. But then you know what he does? He ends up in Rome, and guess what he does? Spends the rest of his life every single opportunity. Declaring the kingdom of God, telling about the power of God, telling what God can do, telling about the power of the Holy Ghost, telling about the power of the Spirit of God. I said it Thursday night as the last apostolic attitude, but really it is an overarching of all of the book of Acts. You find the supernatural demonstrated from Acts 1 all the way to Acts 28. You find it in blind eyes being opened and dead being raised and crippled being healed. You find it when the disciples, the apostles are in prison and there's no way out. And an angel shows up and wakes Peter up and escorts him. He didn't know. Read it. He didn't know. At first he thought he was having a vision, a dream. Finally, the angel leads him all the way out of the prison. He's now completely freed. But do you know why the angel was sent to deliver Peter from prison, not for Peter's comfort and convenience, so that Peter could go again and preach and declare and tell. Paul says it this way, 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. I didn't come trying to impress you with my eloquence. I didn't come to try to impress you with a cute little message. I don't know the moment if I hope this doesn't bother some of you, but I can't take you to a moment where I knew God called me to preach. I can't take you to a place where I know God called me at that moment. All I know is that from as long as I can remember, even as a child, I just felt like that's what I was called to do. And as being called to do that, I, I I I have to say, there have been times probably a little more fleshly than it should be, but I've had a desire, I want to be a good preacher. I don't want you to have to come service after service with me as your pastor and hear a bad preacher every week. But i got to tell you, there probably have been a few times where I have been more about excellency of speech and enticing words I'm just going to tell you once again, reading the book of Acts, there's something stirring afresh and new inside of me that says, I don't think I really want to come and impress you with my good messages. I don't think I really want to come and impress you with some new revelation. But oh, what I really would like to do is to come and, and, and I think I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, verse 4 my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power why so that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God and so what I was trying to say before I lost track was there's something stirring that I want the demonstration of the power of God yes I want the demonstration of the power of God in this sanctuary but I also want it where I live and I want it to places I go and I want it where you live and I want it where you work and I want it where you go to school. I want it at the restaurants that you go to. I want it at the places you shop. And I believe that if the book of Acts church could have it, then you and I can have it as well. We could sit and ask and talk about why we don't. And I'm just going to tell you in the context of this tonight, I'm going to give you one simple reason why I think, not that it's the only thing or the only one, but I think one simple reason we don't have the same thing they had and the ways they have it, because again, we're using it for our own benefit and gain. God bless me. God make my life better. God give me more finances. God give me a better house to live in. God give me this. God give me that. You want to get a better place to live? Let me tell you how to get a better place to live. You convince God and be serious about it. Of course, He knows if you're not, so you can't really fool him. But you convince God, God, I my house is not good enough. Not, not, not that it's not good enough. I don't have the space. I don't have the room, God, to bring people in my house to minister to. I, I, don't have pe- I don't have room in my house, God, to bring saints to so that I can minister to them and, and take care of them. You make the motive right, and you watch what God ends up doing. You make the motive right, and you watch the doors that God opens up. You watch the way in which God provides because your desire is not what I can get for myself, but God, what can I get that will enhance me to be more effective in the kingdom so that I can do more in the kingdom, so that I can give more in the kingdom, so that I can experience more in the kingdom. Michael and Tatiana, you've gotten a break for weeks and weeks, so I'm sorry we're making up for lost time. But you know what? I think if Peter, James, and John spent a couple of days with the two of you, I think they'd walk away going, we're moving forward. Some of you know them, some of you don't. They're from Serbia. worked two summers in Ocean City second time they decided to stay yeah ultimately I think they can get some economic benefit from that but that's not why they chose to stay they didn't just choose to stay because they can make more money here than they can make at home they chose to stay because there's something drawing them there's a burden, there's a passion and I don't think as much they are, they are, uh, they are an amazing couple they are some of the sweetest people I have ever met. I know they don't like this and they've very nicely told me to not do this, but I just can't help it sometime. It'd be fine with me if you two were stuck at Antioch until Jesus came. But I'm pretty sure that's probably not going to happen. Because I know you guys you're not here just seeing how we can build a better life for the two of us. You know there's a need. You know there's a there's a field that is in need of. And I believe God is going to bless. And God is going to provide. Not just naturally. But God's going to provide spiritually. God's going to provide with wisdom and, and, and anointing and ability and gifts. Because of the purpose. Some of you may know the answer to this, forgive me, and I did look at more than just Wikipedia for this. There is a statement that is credited to Admiral Yamamoto that after I've tried to study it out a little bit, it's not necessarily completely confirmed that he made the statement. It could more so be just Hollywood the statement that he is accredited with making and actually in a couple of the movies portraying it that after japan attacked pearl harbor he said i fear that we have awakened a sleeping giant you know what the devil's not afraid of a lukewarm church the devil's not afraid. He doesn't care if it's a church of thousands of people as long as their primary focus is getting what they want, getting what they need, God blessing them, God helping. He, he doesn't care about that. But oh, if the apostolic church ever truly awakes, and I believe according to the Word of God, one day it's going to. There's nothing. It's gonna stop it. I wonder if there's anybody here. You be careful when you don't just don't just spout off at the mouth on this one. But I wonder if I'm amongst anybody tonight. I wonder if there's anybody that's a part of us that's watching online that would join with me tonight, that you have this desire. You know what? I I realize there may be some hardships and pain and difficulties, but I want to be like that apostolic church. And I don't want to be a reduced model. I don't want to be a weakened model of the original, but I want to be an improvement upon it. And the bottom line is we've got some promises in this book that in the last days, God is going to do some great things. But if it started with the kind of church it started with in the book of Acts, it can't end with anything less. If that's what it took in the beginning, it's not going to take any less in the end. Congregation, that God, by your help, by your grace, we're gonna become a book of Acts kind of people. God, by your help, by your grace, we're we're not just gonna be a lukewarm Christians. Is that not what he said to the church of Laodicea? I wish, I wish you were either hot or cold. I wish. That you were either hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. All I want to do is spew you out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but I don't want God looking at me, going, David. I wish you were either hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. You know what? I don't know. Maybe somebody, brother, you—you you might be able to verify this. It's my understanding. We—we we think in 2020 of hot or cold as hot's good and cold's bad. If you are—if you know—if you're an athlete and you're hot right now, man, you're doing good. And if you're cold, you're—you're you're messing up. It's my understanding that's not exactly the context of this. The context of this was that there were different streams. One of those streams was essentially a hot, boiling spring, and the other one was cold. And individually, as a cold spring, there were things it provided, as a hot spring, there were things that it provided. But when they came together, they became lukewarm and no longer provided what each of them were supposed to provide. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be lukewarm. I don't want to be a Christian that's just got it on cruise control till Jesus comes. I want to see the same kind of God today that they saw in the book of Acts. I want to see the same kind of thing happen today that they saw happen in the book of Acts. I don't want to pull any put anybody on the spot right now, but is there anybody that else that feels that way that you just stand right where you are? And just simply lift your hands to the Lord. I, I know that we don't know the price that may come. We don't know the path that God may lead us down. But I'm going to tell you one thing. I've preached it many times and I'm going to say it again tonight. Whatever the challenges, whatever the cost, whatever the difficulties you may face in the path that God leads you down, the rewards of that are always greater than the price. The fulfillment of what God will do through you is always greater than the price. Josh, you're another one that gets a little bit of a break but gets picked on. I'll say it again. I know you're in a season right now that there's still questions. But if you stick with it, the reward is always greater than the price. What God does through you is always greater than what you gave up it may seem hard it may be challenging but I'm I'm just going to tell you don't ever think that it's not going to be worth it don't ever think God will let you down because in the end he promises I can do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think, according to the power that worketh in you. So again, would you just close your eyes, focus on Him for a moment, and just in your own words, in your own way, God, I want to be like the original. I want to be an improvement on the original, not me and my flesh, not not me and my human abilities, but in what you do. In the name of Jesus, 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 hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, I know again it's unusual circumstances, but would you just focus for a few more moments? I believe the Holy Ghost Wants to do something in these next couple of moments before we walk out of here. Can anybody say this tonight? Can anybody make this song your prayer tonight? Whatever, whatever it takes, Lord, whatever the price is, whatever I got to go through, I'm willing, Lord, to get to what it is you have for me, to be a part of what it is you want to do in these last days be a vessel that you can use, to be a conduit you can flow
1: through. In the
0: name of Jesus,
1: in the name of
0: Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I'm not just going to be in this, God, for what I can get out of it. I'm not just going to be in this for the blessings and the benefits that I can get, God, but I'm in this for what you want to do through me. I'm in this for how you want to use me. I'm in this for where you want to take me and the lives that you want to touch through me. In In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus.
1: That's I'll be
0: willing. I want, I want you to hear me for a second they're gonna sing again but I want you to hear me please hear me
1: I, I can't explain
0: this I can't I can't say any I, I can't make it any clearer than what I'm about to make it because that's not the way I feel it and if I tried to add to it I I, I wouldn't be being honest but I'm just gonna tell you there is a shift that is taking place in the Spirit in this congregation. I know there's still some circumstances that are odd and got us off balance and whacked out, but I'm just telling you, there is a shift that is taking place. And I believe that this fall is still COVID or no COVID. going to see God do some things that we believed in January and February he was going to do and there may have been a bit, of a bit of a disruption but you can't disrupt God you can't stop God and so I say all of that to say this is the attitude and the spirit of how we get there complete and total surrender to whatever God wants in our lives as a congregation, but whatever He wants in our lives individually. So again, could you make this your prayer this evening? Not just simply a song, but make it your prayer.
1: Take my houses in place, Change my dreams, change my plans. I'm, I'm placing, I'm placing
0: my whole, my whole life
1: I'm placing heads, my whole life in your hands. You
0: whatever if you want, God. To wherever you want to send me. Whatever you want to do through me. That's my focus. Lord, that's my go, burden.
1: That's my desire. And your will, oh,
0: in the name of Jesus. For whatever whatever
1: to draw closer To Take my Can
0: anybody say that God? If it's will if you want to change, change, change my plans. God, if you want to change my plans, I want you to know that's okay.
1: My whole life God, if what you've
0: got for me is different than what I planned, I'm okay with that, God because I know that what you've got planned is better than what I had planned.
1: I'm going to go. That
0: place far away might just be across the street to a neighbor's house. That place far away might just be to another cubicle in the office where you work place far away might just be a student that sits in the next desk are you willing to go are you willing to go whatever
1: Lord whatever whatever it takes to be more I'm willing Lord
0: I'm willing I'm willing
1: I'm willing I'm willing hallelujah hallelujah I'll trace sunshine
0: we individually but also collectively once again surrender and yield ourselves to you. God, your word has made some promises to the church in general for the last days that we want to be a part of. But God, there are promises you have made to this church. Things that you have said to us directly you promised that you're going to do. So God, tonight, once again, whatever it takes for us to see that, whatever it takes for us to be a part of that, we surrender to you tonight, God. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. You know, I have a feeling because they weren't perfect. I have a feeling that there were some people that were converted that were a little more on the fringes. But there was a core that was obviously completely sold out. And if God can just get a core of us with that kind of mentality, with that kind of an attitude and spirit, I believe there is absolutely no limit to what God is able to do. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I want to challenge you, please. Would you just, over the next couple of days, not just let this be a message that goes out of your mind as the evening goes on and you forget about it. Would you take some time the next few days, part of your prayer time throughout the day, and just talk to God a little bit about you in the context of this. God, I don't care what anybody else is doing. I don't want to measure by what everybody else is doing. This is what I want, God. I want to be where you want me to be. I want to be connected the way you want me connected. I want to be doing what you want me to do. In Jesus' name. Praise God.